Welcome to Cacophony, spelled quack-o-phony. Today, we're talking Kill Bill Volume 1. Hit it, Shandy. Kill Bill is about the story of a former assassin codenamed Black Mamba, who's attacked at her wedding by her ex-gang of assassins and their leader, Bill, who also happens to be the father of her unborn child. Bill and the gang that call themselves the Deadly Viper Assassination Squad killed nine people at the bride's wedding. Bill personally puts a bullet through the bride's head, but she somehow survives, although she goes into a four-year-long coma. When she finally wakes up, she instantly goes back into her assassin mode and is out to seek revenge. Okay, cool. So then let's start with the initial thought on this movie. Had you seen it before as first viewing, things like that? Why don't we start with Anuj? Sure. So, yeah, I really like this movie so much. I mean, uh, I was actually, I think I'd seen this once before, maybe 12, 15 years ago when I was like back in school. I think I saw like both of them, but like I didn't know which one was which. I just I just remember like scenes from watching this movie and like of course it's such a striking movie to look at. You know, all the costumes and like the way it's shot, everything's very I know it's it's a cliche to say it now, but it's very Tarantino. <laughs> but it's very, you know, uh, trademark uh in the way how he like uses visuals and music and he he knows how to use dialogue as well like he uses it sparingly but like when he uses it it's so like you know powerful and uh i actually when i watched it last night i didn't realize how short of a movie it was it was like just under two hours which is like the perfect length for me and uh i in fact like before i put it on i was actually feeling quite sleepy and tired But, like, within, I think, five or seven minutes into the movie, uh, it was one of those, you know, magical movie, you know, things that movies can do. It just, like, completely arrested my attention. And I was, like, gripped. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I couldn't stop watching it, seriously. Like, the way he just, like, builds up the tension, builds up suspense, and, like, doesn't answer everything right away. But, like, you're, you're just left guessing. Oh man, this was such a trip. Honestly, yeah. watching this movie, and uh, I, I, I couldn't wait. To, like, uh, you know, watch the second one and then record this podcast because I was like obsessed. Yeah, it's a very succinct and good summation of how I was feeling when I was watching it as well. So, I mean, I may as well just use that as a segue. So, I, I also, I'd never seen Kill Bill before, nor had I ever seen a Tarantino movie before. So this is my first. Tarantino oh really? Film. Interesting. Yeah. So that's awesome. And I very much enjoyed it. I was uh, mesmerized by the camera work, especially in some of the latter part of the movie where there are scenes, it's like a long one take and where she's at the club um, where she kills the crazy idiot or whoever they are. When the lights go out? Yes, yes, that. And and just the way the camera follows her into the ladies room and where the lawyer is and things like that. We'll get into the details. That scene was weird, yeah. Yeah. And I also took to piggyback off of what Anuj said in terms of keeping it interesting. I enjoyed the way Tarantino... Did not tell the story in a linear fashion. He jumped around. Different chapters of the book were describing different... Or I mean, he said it as a chap- as a book with chapter one, chapter two, etc. And the way they were jumping between narrative points, I, I absolutely loved it because I think it kept the viewer very interested. It wasn't like a straight, boring old movie. It was very on your... It was engaging with the audience to keep them thinking. And, and so I, I overall really enjoyed this movie and I, I can see why there's a, a big buzz around tarantino <laughs> so i'm very excited to see the rest of uh, uh, you know uh, additional movies but 
Uh, yeah, so that was mine. What about Niti? So um, I agree with uh, Norwich in that this was my um, first foray into Tarantino movies. I also hadn't seen anything from him before. And I was really um, kind of blown away. Like, I, I know that I had heard a lot of good things, but this was the first time I could really see what all the buzz was about. Um, some of my favorite things about this movie were the humor is so sparse and so but so poignant in that it's such a powerful movie but at the same time they still find ways to kind of put some irony in the situation or put some twist on the situation where it's just like you know right in the beginning when the little girl comes home and the main character is fighting her mom and they're all trying to pretend like everything is fine but it's really not fine and um so I love that. And then also I loved, um, I don't know what you would call this, but just, you know, how it goes from being a straight movie to then being like this whole anime subplot mm-hmm. of like um, Lucy Liu's character's backstory, which I thought was amazing. And mm-hmm. just the the use of um, like different kinds of, I don't even know what you call it. Um Different visual aesthetics, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah visual yeah. aesthetics, that's good. <laughs> the use of different visual aesthetics was really beautiful and really stuck with me. Plus, I do appreciate how it was um, non-linear also. I think that really sets it apart from a lot of movies. So, And you really, he does a really good job at making you sympathize with this character. And you really get her and you're really fighting for her like the entire time. So I really appreciated it, so... Yeah, I'm excited to yeah. talk about this movie. Yep. Nice. Sean, how about you? What are your thoughts? Uh, so to me, it just seemed like one of those classic revenge stories, except with a few things different, such as a woman is getting revenge and it's a blonde woman. I don't know. To me, it just seemed like completely unorthodox. Mm. But uh, she's so badass. And then, yeah, like it's just about her getting individual revenge as opposed to like in a group i guess i'm guessing it holds some significant significant kind of meaning for her the one thing that did stick out to me was just the sound effects they were so utterly exaggerated i mean that's what i felt (laughs) it was incredible yeah all the chopping noises and the bursting noises And everybody yeah. seems to be like a sprinkler with the blood. Like, what's that about? Even in the animation as well as in real life. Well, I mean, that's Tarantino. Tarantino right there. That's, yeah, apparently classic him. So overall, did you enjoy the film or what was your... Oh, I absolutely loved it. The storyline, the dialogues, everything. Okay. And the humor, whatever humor there was, it was very dark. Yeah, no, that's good. Good thought. Uh, Sean, what about you, Shandy? I feel like you guys covered most of it. But I definitely loved the different visual aesthetics, as Neeti pointed out. Uh, I always love it when it's like this mixed sort of reality when they're telling the story because it kind of changes things up so it's not monotonous. And and back to like Anuj's point, like it definitely keeps the the viewer engaged a lot more. And also, I love the non-linear part of it because... Even though it, he kept going back and forth, at no point was I ever very confused or questioning too much. And whenever I was, I felt like the questions pretty much got answered in the next 15 minutes. So it was pretty good that way. What I really loved about this movie was the music choice. I, 
the all the songs that were there was so good, good. yes so many classics that like i didn't know was used in this movie cuz i've heard the songs but i didn't know that they were either like they were part of this or if they were created in this movie I don't, i'm not sure i know he reused a lot of them a lot of this music from older movies from the 60s and 70s i'm trying to remember what is that uh, the whistling the thing woohoo no 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 the whistling oh oh that the nurse the nurse saying yeah that's a, that's from an older movie but the sound effects i love the way he exaggerated because it that's tarantino style like you if you start watching more tarantino movies you'll you'll get used to it so it's it doesn't seem odd after you've seen two or three of these of his movies you you just kind of accept like this is his universe but yeah otherwise i really liked it and i haven't still seen the second volume so i'm excited to see that i don't know how she progresses from this point on cuz the cuz the movie the movie ends at a cliffhanger it does not there's no resolution at the end of it so that's it's fine like cuz he says it's volume 1 you go in prepared knowing that there is no ending so it, it i i was pretty satisfied coming out of this yeah i think i understand where it was the perfect length it was just under 2 hours i think uh because it was split between two films it kind of was perfect because i think originally tarantino wanted to be a long 3 hour film or 3 and a half hour film like he does but this made it a lot better uh, in my mind and uh, the movie you're talking about was called the twisted nerve twisted it was nerve. an old british horror film yes and yeah and that, that's where the whistling uh, that the the nurse played by Daryl Hannah she was uh, that yeah. that was where that was coming from but yeah so that's that's an interesting point the the music is phenomenal in this movie there's definitely a lot of homages to different time periods and and just in general the style of the movie is 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 like a blend of like samurai cinema from the 70s there's a lot of yes um since Tarantino's a he's a cinephile he's a historian when it comes to movies so he paid all of his movies pay homage to one thing or another that he likes and this movie was actually him and Uma Thurman were talking about it how they both liked 70s samurai films and kung fu movies on the set of pulp fiction and that's yeah. what gave him that's what gave him the idea to write this movie and use her yeah. in the film so it's kind of interesting how that morphed there's many aspects of the movie that I really was very impressed with the one thing was the with the ref- reference to that visual aesthetics thing that you guys are talking about um so one actually subtle reason for that was uh, the motion picture agency that does the ratings they were going to give this movie uh, something higher than R because it was going to be way too bloody and way too intense <laughs> so that's why Tarantino made that fight scene at the end a lot of it is in, in black, black and, and white. white yeah so because the ra- yeah. that that passed the the censors yeah but then the japanese version is colored there is yes. a japanese version oh, yeah. colored i i did <laughs> they don't they don't, yeah. they don't so make cool. that black yes. and white yes so and and nice. even the uh the the cartoon part the or sorry the anime part um mm-hmm. that just because the subject matter was so intense that if it was uh, you know dealing with pedophilia and like you know a kid murdering things like that they uh they thought that when originally the idea was floated uh, tarantino uh, was floating the idea that the censors were like yeah i don't know if that's uh, our american audiences are ready for that so he actually took inspiration from a bollywood movie to do that sequence where there's a bollywood movie that uh, has like kamal hassan and ravina tandon called abher or something and that uses like a similar sequence where they have an animated sequence to cover the more uh, intense or, or yeah the more gruesome aspects of it Mm-hmm. and and so he actually used that as an influence for this movie. Uh oh otherwise he was, he was going to film it with real people initially. Yeah, originally, I mean when he first wrote it he didn't have the idea to you know he yeah. wasn't he didn't write it, it with this with that yeah anime in, in 
mind. Right. I did, I did read about that, but I didn't know. I wasn't sure like what was the inspiration because I didn't know about the Bollywood part of it. Yeah, I hadn't like, seen oh. that Bollywood movie either, but I just read about it really quickly, and it was like, yeah, they used you know because obviously Indian uh, cinema's rating system is even more effed up than the U.S. one, and so over there, yeah. in order to deal with more like like gruesome things like I just said, they they did that. Yeah. And that was the way he tackled his situation as well. I feel like it also played really well into the storytelling, because if you think about what's being told, it's the story of like a little girl, you know, and I can kind of understand how children tend to see the world in a kind of cartoonish way where reality doesn't really sink into them, like what's actually happening. So I think it really that decision really lended itself very well to what they were trying to say and like mm-hmm. you know you can see it from the eyes of this little girl and how these people are killing her parents and how her mom is killed right on top of the bed where she was lying under and the sword came so close to her face it, it just made it that much more powerful i think and it was really a beautiful sequence so yeah it also right. kind of highlighted how how masterfully anime captures human emotion it's just uh, I don't Definitely. know just 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 the way they sh- they kind of I don't know zoom into like certain emotions on the face just like expressions on the face and I don't know it's it's just really like visceral you kind of feel it more than you would feel in a normal motion picture so again it's kind of like that he's using elements of movie making kind of like you know we discussed with Edgar Wright in the previous uh, episode but he's using he's he's like willing to go outside of just like your normal way of filmmaking to find those you know he's basically going to use every tool that he has in his toolkit right so and that's what I really like about him he tries to like max out movies <laughs> and uh, yeah yeah so I I, I found that choice like completely perfect for that that particular sequence yeah speaking of filming choices where where last time i felt a little fatigue with scott pilgrim in this one i felt a little bit of fatigue after the main character had killed the first set of lucy lou's oren's crew including the the girl with the ball and then the crazy 88 as they're called and and that was just yeah that was overkill and i mean as somebody who is not obsessed with you know, samurai cinema i didn't really care for that part so that it just got a little boring it was cool but it just got a little that scene uh when the crazy 88s come i saw it as such a parallel to matrix when neo is there with like a hundred agent smiths around him oh i was i thought that maybe he drew inspiration from reloaded but both these movies came out in the same year, so it's just a weird for me that 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 kind of scene existed in that in two different movies that that same year was just. And both and both those people were trying to do the same thing. They were trying to sh- do like one uh, overarching overarching story o- between two movies. So like if you remember, even Reloaded and Revolutions were like one year after the other. That's right. That's Same right. as volume this, one and volume yeah, two. That's, that's yeah. absolutely interesting. What uh, And they're both, uh, you know, influenced by anime. Like, deeply yeah. influenced by anime. That's a good and point. Well, I did not know Matrix was... Yeah, the whole, anim- <laughs> yeah. the whole Animatrix, you know, they had a whole section in between the movies that was about... That was anime heavy. 
with a, a side story that was related to the yeah. main story. Oh, yeah. Do you remember the word Animatrix? I don't remember watching it. Oh, yeah. No, it was, it was interesting. Um, but wait, speaking of that, what you were just saying, the... The, it was the same stunt uh, coordinator that worked on both of the movies. So that, oh, like, wow. For, for, for Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, it was. So between, that's, between, between Matrix and this. And this, yeah, yeah. So that's probably uh-huh. why their, their fight that's sequences funny. were similar. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like yeah. The, the way they jumped and stuff yes. like that, it seemed very uh, reminiscent of the Matrix style. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, yeah, it was the same person, the same guy, people, or the team. Mm, so that's probably why there was a similarity there. Sorry, Shandy, you were saying... So you were talking about cringeworthy moments. Was that how this started? Well, I was or just like talking about like fatigue, a little bit of fatigue. Like it was just kind of uh, like I was like, okay, this is kind of boring now. Like because I'm not uh, that obsessed with samurai cinema, where I don't uh, really care. And I mean, the, I mean, I can appreciate the subtleties, like you know, the way they open their the the blade and look at it, and you know, there's like a whole art and custom and ancient yeah. tradition to it. But um, mm-hmm. not being somebody versed in it and not particularly interested in it. I, uh, you know, I was just like, okay, that's fine. I mean, that doesn't mean that it takes anything away from this movie. It's just those are the parts that I personally didn't care for. Yeah. The thing is that Tarantino, just because he loved and he was so inspired by olden samurai movies for some reason, I don't know why, that Hattori Hanzo is the same actor and character from a different Japanese samurai movie from the 70s or something. So they he liked that character and that actor so much that he, he put Hattori Hanzo in his movie. Wow. And it's the same same character. That's amazing. That is really cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That I mean that uh, that scene that scene when she enters and she meets him at mm-hmm. the sushi station or whatever it is. Um mm-hmm. that was very reminiscent of old Chinese like samurai movies where he's yelling at his assistant. There's like like stupid like dumb humor <laughs> like random dumb humor, which is actually kind of funny. It's like it's like innocent funny, but that's like very reminiscent of that. And he I like the way he captured that um with his dialogues and that. It was just so silly, but it was it was yeah, intentionally silly. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of my favorite scenes, I think, in the movie. Like, all of their interactions with Hattori Hanzo. And at first, you know, he doesn't really know what to think of her. And he's like, oh, you're American. And then, she, he, you know, he figures out that, like, she's actually here because she knows about his history and his past and stuff. And and his love for his swords and things. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really right. awesome. Right. No, I, I was just going to say, we need to talk about Uma Thurman at some point. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Definitely. She was amazing. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, absolutely amazing uh, in this movie. I had never seen a, a full movie with Uma Thurman, I don't think, prior to this. I mean, I think I saw the Batman and... Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Was, I totally forgot about that. She was wow. poison, poison Ivy. She, I mean, this is like the perfect role like is the dream role honestly and she she just like killed it she the way she like everything like it was a pretty wide-ranging performance like she you know she was like the dumb american when she uh met hattori hanzo and like she played that to the t she played like you know really serious parts really well as well and uh the fear spots, everything. It was like such a like a oh man, such a sincere and like perfect performance. I was like, this this woman is a goddess. This uh, I mean not <laughs> this woman, like this character is like yeah. goddess, absolute goddess. And yeah. I was like, I want to see like more of this for sure. Yes, I th- I mean I 
I think it required more than just simple. I mean, her, her, whatever was required of her in this movie was far more than a normal actress, you know, where it's just dialogue based. This one had intense physicality. It had intense emotion. It had pretty much the full gamut range of what an actor or a really good actor needs to be able to do. And she accomplished all of it. Um, what's surprising is I don't think she was nominated for Best Actress or anything, right? Um, I could be wrong. I haven't checked. But yeah, nobody I, cares. Nobody see, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's just wrong. Apparently, she was nominated for a BAFTA for Best Actress. <laughs> is but, it because of the nature of the movie, do you think? Or is it because... Um, no, I mean, I mean, I mean they, they love Tarantino. The, the Academy loves Tarantino. Right. So I don't, I don't know, but maybe they didn't love him as much at this time. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but no, I agree. Um, her performance was so stirring and it was so beautiful. And um, a part that really struck a chord with me was when she wakes up from the coma and then she yes. feels her stomach oh. and she mm. she figures out that her baby didn't survive or you she thought she thinks that it didn't survive and her like screams and everything you just feel it you, like you feel it in your yeah. mind, oh, like God. what this woman is going through yeah it was yes. it was amazing. incredible yes. yeah so true yeah that was a that great whole, scene that whole hospital scene oh geez. so dark oh, even that, that was so dark. yeah and like yeah. i was surprised that her arms were working like i have no knowledge of what it's like to you know, be a in a coma and wake up from a coma and for like four years, what, yeah. yeah, and what types of muscles atrophy first and yeah. stuff. But I mean, it was just a, like a little. I mean, it could be that like in the heat of the moment, you know how your body does like miraculous things that mm-hmm. her arms were just like working in a way. But I, I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> kind of surprising. Right, right. I love the. I love that uh, when. Like, just before she wakes up, the nurse, uh, whatever her name is, I'm forgetting right now. The actress or the uh, character? The character. Uh, it's got a weird snake, like some, uh, some like, oh, yes. st- cotton stone mountain Who? El Driver. Nice. Yeah, so but her she... snake name. Her nickname was California Mountain Snake or something. Yes, that's it. Kind of, yeah, yeah, good call. Thank you. Yes. Right, right, right. Copperhead, huh? No, wait. Uh, Ca- California Mountain Cal- Snake. California Mountain okay. Snake, yeah. California mountain snake. Got it, got it. So when she's about to kill her and she receives that call from Bill, that's like it it's such a perfect timing and like, you know, yes, it's just, I thought that too, it, yes. It, it was like uh like just the fact that what what Bill said at that point, like, you know, like killing her this way just doesn't feel right, even though we wanna kill her so bad. It's just like what she's been through and what her will has just like, you know, brought her out of like all of these situations. She took a bullet to the head and she's still not dead. And How if we kill her that? this way, it just doesn't feel right. And I was like, that is so well written. Like, yeah. that's such a cool. And even as like, you know, assassins, I guess these people are like, you know, honorable people, you know, they, they want to. They, they honor each other, like, they respect each other, yep. and they respect, like, a well, fight, and they they uh, want to go out with a proper fight, that kind of a thing. So they kind of gave her that respect, and they gave her that, you know, opportunity, just like, okay, this is not how she's going to go out, but we'll get her next time. It was such a cool idea to me. 
Yeah, also because, I mean, I don't know if they would be that honorable if they had to take out some random person, but she was part of their group and she was part of the deadly viper assassination squad. (laughs) The divas. The divas, that's right. So she's, so it was interesting to me that L Driver couldn't go through with the killing because out of all nicknames of, of the snakes that they have, only that L driver snake is a non-poisonous snake. So she was the only one who didn't go through with a kill. Or something. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And, and she was trying to insert venom into her, like, exactly. symbolically. But yeah. She's the only one that California mountain snake is the only one that's a non-venomous snake. And all the other ones are vipers or rattlesnakes or something. So, so. That's so interesting. <laughs> um, and just to um, jump on what Anuj was saying, like, I thought it was so interesting how... In the beginning, when Uma Thurman is fighting um, Vivica A. Fox's character, they stop in the middle, like, right after the daughter comes home. They're like, oh, okay, do you want some tea or coffee? (laughs) I don't remember which one it was. And then they're just, like, casually having, like, a chit-chat in the kitchen. And all of a sudden, you know, I I feel like Uma Thurman's character is also very cognizant of the fact that she wants to fight a fighter when they're ready to fight you know she wants to have a mm-hmm. fair fight but then yeah. when um vivica a fox's character you know tried to shoot her with that cereal box and she was like oh all bets are off right now i'm killing exactly. her right now yeah yeah, yes. so, yeah. yeah. and she, I, she didn't want to kill her in front of the daughter but um right yeah at that point and i think that was some motherly instinct that was like stopping mm-hmm. her at that point you know but then at that point when like you said when she shot her that's you know that's not <laughs> that's over so Quentin Tarantino kind of uses the fact that she's fe- female and kind of adds to like that hero whatever personality and like he really uses that feminine qualities and it just like makes makes the overall character like all the more so, sort of That's true. meaningful Bad, or whatever. Badass. I don't know. It's it's yeah. all the more badass but like all the more I don't know, wholesome. Like you have more like complex, you know, maybe complex. Yeah. Exactly. It's a it's a complex and like uh, well thought out, realist character. It's, yeah. I mean, he. I I always love it when like people create something, and they've thought out every single aspect of it, and like you you don't really have any holes to pick out of. Yeah. And, yeah. No. Definitely. I think uh, it's on this topic the. Uh, the girl power of this yeah, movie, yeah. you know? Not just the girl, yeah, exactly, the girl yeah. power. But, like, is... he really adds to, like, you know, what we know a heroic character already. True. And he just, like, gives you something more that you didn't know That's you wanted. That's a good point. Wanted. That's a good point. Right, yeah. right. That makes sense. Because, I mean, the typical male hero t- wouldn't even have a motherly instinct, right? I mean, that whole yeah. extra yeah. dimension. Like, you're, yeah, that's, that's right. Um, what is also interesting is in the movie, like, whenever... All the male characters are pretty much um, sterile. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah, yeah. Like they're not like all the women are, are the ones with power. Like even at that that bar, the yeah. club later, like the the club owner, sure. she's the she's the yeah. boss, and the guy is like mm-hmm. a servant. And then even all like the you know, band, Lucy, yeah, the band the is band all is playing is completely women. Yeah, yeah. Lucy Liu's yeah. character is like the head of that. It becomes the head of the yakuza or whatever. And you know, so all the women are powerful. All the men are very week uh in the movie yeah um and what's more uh, what was super uh, go ahead i mean just just to piggyback on that like uh, that i think all the killings in this movie were by only women no man i think maybe yeah, i can't think of any man killing anyone i think or, or except for one man except for bud uh killing someone i guess there's like no 
guy who kills in this movie. All the deaths happen by women. And I was saying what's interesting is that it's, uh, you know, what's even more interesting is that being all girl power and the movie was funded and produced by Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. That's you know, Miramax. You know, when I was watching the movie, well, at first, I, being a woman, I really appreciated how um, all the women in this movie were powerful. Either Like, you know, if they were forces of good or forces of evil, I thought that that was a really beautiful choice but it's so ironic like I had to stop the movie in between because I was so curious about you know the whole Me Too movement um I didn't have any like I knew of Uma Thurman at the time but she wasn't really on my radar so I went back and saw that she had some very specific things to say about you know Harvey Weinstein and um Mm -hmm. he assaulted her before this movie after Pulp Fiction um and she had some things to say about Tarantino as well. And it's it's that whole, you know, topic of, like, if someone is a complicated person in real life, does that mean that you're going to stop appreciating the art that they create? And for me, the answer is no, but it definitely adds an asterisk to it. You know, like, it's so ironic to me how this movie is so beautiful and it just characterizes the female spirit in such a way where you can see how gentle and loving and nurturing a woman can be in that motherly relationship, but also how like badass and cunning and cruel and evil, you know, they can be also, but it's just, I don't know. It kind of tainted it for me just knowing mm. that the whole history of it, um, what did she? What, what did she say about Tarantino? I mean, I, obviously everybody knows about Weinstein and right. uh, um, and I thought her and Tarantino was like were tight. Uh, so um, there was a New York Times article that I read that talked about how um, Tarantino he didn't really do anything in a sexual manner, but what he did was um, just the way that he treated her. And um, okay, so this is I won't ruin it, but. In the second part of the movie, there was something that um, was required, like he was requiring her to do, and she was worrying about it. And she, Uma Thurman, was just saying, "Can't we get a stunt person to do it? I don't think this is safe." And then Tarantino said, "No, I would really prefer if you did it." And then she got into an accident, and it left her with like knee pain and neck pain to this day. And Love she that. just, yeah. And there were there were parts in the movie where he would personally, you know, be, like, as a director, he would insert himself into the movie where, you know, there's a scene where, I think it's in the second uh, movie, where someone has to spit in her face, and he didn't let the actor do it. He specifically wanted to do it himself, which I have no idea what the context of that is, but... He does that. Even in, in Glorious Bastards, he... There's a scene where Diane Kruger is is being suffocated and like choked basically and apparently Tarantino mm-hmm. does it with his own hand so wow. I don't know he's got a weird he's a weird guy for sure sorry uh, that yeah, is interesting wow. <laughs> I, know that. I agree with Neeti in the sense that it does kind of taint it even listening to R. Kelly anymore I can't you can't do it right <laughs> it's <laughs> difficult to separate the artist from the thing even though I want to some of Kanye's music is so good, but he's such a dumbass. I can't. It's tough. I mean, but it's even tough. Kanye, I, I can accept Kanye. He hasn't done anything nearly as bad as a lot of these people. Um, For sure, yeah, no doubt. But like uh, uh, to uh, an example of this, there was an interview with Colbert and Jerry Seinfeld. Um, 
and they were talking mm. about their influences in comedy and how all Cosby, of them, right? Yes, exactly. And how yeah. all they, they grew up on listening yes, to Cosby uh, records and, and Bill Cosby was their inspiration. It was their life for a long time with his humor and how it's, you know, for, for Colbert, it was tough, but for Seinfeld, he was still able to keep it separate. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know if it's an individual thing, case by case. It depends, personal biases, yeah. like that. But uh, Agreed. Um, it's yeah. interesting. But I, like, ign- trying <laughs> your best to kind of see the movie as it is for what it is i think it was really powerful especially i mean this movie came out like 15 years ago i think like 2003 it was a pretty big statement like at 16. that time yeah 16 years ago yeah i mean i appreciated I what like, he did for women on screen yeah i feel like it 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 should have a re-release of some kind like we need this movie right now i know we <laughs> got like captain marvel or whatever but like still this this kind of movie percent. we, we kind of need like a reminder that this this exists in our culture and we just need like a constant reminder that you know what women can also be like this you know this brave and this badass or whatever just say like, it's 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 a cool fun way of reminding yourself that i don't this, know well they're working on a volume three if that helps yes yes oh, they are? Sorry, go on. wait yeah. for real yeah yeah, yeah. i mean yeah. it's been it's been in the talks for a long time it will happen at some point um and I've heard rumors that it's gonna be like involving that little girl from the beginning of this of, of yes, uh, okay. and coming coming <laughs> after. Did Tarantino say that he's not gonna do any more movies? I mean, the next movie he is gonna that. be his last movie for Once Upon a Time or after this one. So apparently, like if you count Kill Bill as two separate movies, yeah. Now he's at ten movies, and he said that I'm not gonna make any more than ten movies. Yeah, but if you count so Kill Bill as one movie. Then he's at nine, and that remains like basically one. Wait, then if you count that as one, then volume three is also counted as one. Yeah, That's but why? Why does he want to only do ten? What is the rationale for that? He he feels like ten is like one complete set, and uh, he just he's obsessive about that. He's like uh, he just wants to have like one finished work uh, that that he doesn't want to like you know add on. So he'll keep doing other things, but like not movies, apparently. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, he's a I... very. I I love him. I absolutely love Quentin Tarantino. But like, I know he's like a weird, weird person. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you've seen interviews, with him, that's weird. <laughs> I've, I've seen a lot of his interviews, and he's just like endlessly, endlessly fascinating. The way he talks, the kind of people he hangs out with, just like. Like he, the rules that he has on set, like nobody can go to sleep uh, on set. Yeah. If you mm-hmm. if you go to sleep, you're gonna be like, wow. <laughs> He's gonna take like really compromising pictures of you and like yeah. post them everywhere. No one should have like a cell phone. He hates cell phones. He absolutely hates. Like he has like an encyclopedic knowledge of movies, but like he hates cell phones. So I. I mean, I can't even imagine knowing that much about movies without the internet, without, like, you know... I don't know. This guy's, like, he's one of a kind. Absolutely. There's nobody like him. But he is also weird. He's really strange, you know? He's a strange guy. (laughs) I totally agree. I think he's definitely one of a kind in that you can tell by... If you think of his movies as an extension of his mind, like, it's so unique. And his perspective really on the world is so, I mean, you can't help but appreciate it. And it's 
bizarreness and its weirdness like yet like mm-hmm. yes i don't know what kind of a person he is i haven't like done that much research and i don't you know know that much of him but his movies are very very um i mean they're his that's why it's a thing that you can say you know that's tarantino that's very tarantino style like he has his own style and that's That's, amazing in itself right it's kind of that's what you ultimately that's what you want like no matter how flat uh, flawed you are as a person in like in an artist you want them to be real like if you're freaking flawed show that like use that but like give us something that's real and unfiltered and that's what like people like you know Quentin Tarantino Bob Dylan whatever David Bowie these people have done that like throughout their lives and they might have made hundreds of mistakes outside of it like but ultimately you as a fan you do try to like separate the two you're like sure maybe that's the price you pay for being a human being and like you uh, you you're going to make mistakes but like also if you can like you know, provide the world something that's completely original and completely enthralling. I, I guess that's a nice trade-off to have. I don't know. I mean, you, as long as you don't do things like Harvey Weinstein has done. I mean, those are like borderline criminal stuff. I mean, like Roman Polanski, whatever. Like they, that's like borderline. Up. Criminal. Yeah, it's, that's it's pretty much up, criminal. Straight up, straight up but criminal. like, but yeah. like, if it's if it's not. And even Bill Cosby, I guess, yeah, that that is criminal. It is criminal. I I agree. But at the same time, I mean, if it's affected you or any person really, like if it if it's you know and influenced Jerry Seinfeld, let's say, in such a purely you know influential, artistically influential way, I mean, that's some service. Yeah, I mean, think I about it like uh, like the old artists. Like whenever, uh, say you're into painting, and then you uh, you get exposed to the like the French artists like Monet and Manet and all these other people, and you really like a hundred, two hundred years later, we really don't know what they were like as people. That's right. We just we just exactly. see that art, and we get influenced by Definitely. their art, and then we use that That's... and their skills to you know perfect our our craft. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of what you're yeah. like picking it backing off of what you're saying good point good point i mean that's your art your expression is what will live on and yeah. all, all of these things will you know go away whatever right. right unless unless there's people who are constantly trying to dig this up and be like oh, oh yeah. you know what he did this and right. you shouldn't like him yeah. if like, he did this Michael because Jackson. then a lot of people do that. exactly like finding neverland that was a bullshit documentary yeah. by the way Oh, like, it was absolute trash. It was completely wrong. <laughs> made up bullshit. Made up bullshit. Yes. Like a lot of I've seen so many uh, body language experts like completely deconstruct like how that was yeah. filmed and like how scripted it was. And yeah, I refuse to watch it. I completely refuse. Yeah, to I, I, I watched like the first thirty minutes and I was like, I could. Sometimes you just instinctively know when the person's like fucking lying yeah. and. You could completely tell that this is like total bullshit. These guys are trying to make a buck right now. Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. It, thankfully HBO completely pulled it, so I'm yeah. happy about that. Plus, <laughs> I feel like in this society today, it's such a, a conversation that people are having more and more. That like how much I think it really just depends on one the person and two the thing that they're trying to um, discern, like the unique situation. You know, I think as more as society becomes 
I don't know, like canceled mm-hmm. culture. I know we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. but um, as we just become more um, hold on. intolerant. <laughs> Yes, thank you. I was like, there's a word that I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So um, as society becomes more and more intolerant of people and as we're finding out more things, you know, through social media and through things like that, it's really just a debate that is really worth having. And so it's interesting to think of the story behind, you know, the art that we're discussing. I think it's really valuable. It is. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to add to that. <laughs> okay. Um, so pop culture influences in uh, Kill Bill. Um, I think Dude. so. The, the most obvious one uh, was Uma Thurman's yellow outfit, uh, which is Bruce Lee's uh, yeah. last Bruce movie. Lee, yes. Uh, yeah. Game Game of Death. That's his, his cool. last movie. His exact uh, costume or outfit that she was wearing. So easy homage there or homage, excuse me. Um, oh, you know that there's that uh, that. Red, the flash of red and then there's like that weird like 70s uh music that plays every time music. she sees mm-hmm. every time she sees yeah. like oran or any of the other Vi- viper members That's from a spaghetti western uh, called Death Rides a Horse, and that same theme is played in that movie. So it was like an homage yeah. to that. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting, um, you know, all these things that odd. he loves. There's so many things that he, it, you know, that he's brought into it. Uh, because- I love the, I love that he used the Green Hornet theme when she's riding that motorcycle <laughs> and chasing Sophie. <laughs> oh man, yes. that was, yes. that's my favorite theme of all time. Yes. I, wow. that's, I, I was actually like playing that, trying to play that on my on my guitar earlier. I was like, I have to figure this out, figure this out. And then yeah. I just yes. just got so exhausted trying to play it. It's like so difficult. <laughs> I mean, it's so fast. The pace of it is like it's extreme. It's so fun. It's ruthless. Oh, it's so, so fun. Um, <laughs> it sounds like Hornet, right? So, but yeah, yeah. That uh, that that band that they were playing, the music they were playing, that woohoo song, the yeah. it's like the, the rockabilly song. I remember they used to use that in Vonage commercials. Yeah, like, they used to use it in commercials. That's what <laughs> yeah. I was thinking. I yeah, when I was hearing it, I I only heard the Vonage commercials for the, so I get like, why is there a Vonage commercial playing right now? <laughs> <laughs> that's a real song. I didn't even know. I thought they were just making sounds in the background. Oh no, that's a real like it's a, it's a, fam- a pretty famous song from like 1959. Did that commercial get that from uh like Quentin Tarantino or like was it the uh, other way around? I think the, I mean I, I the song was an original song from the fifties. The they used it. The Vonage people used it in the early, late nineties, early two thousands. Oh and, wow! And, and then so Tarantino, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, I don't know if Tarantino saw the commercial and then used it, <laughs> or he just liked that song that in amazing. that situation, or he let that band pick whatever. I mean, obviously he probably picked because he's a control freak. But oh, control freak. Yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but apparently after Kill Bill, Carling Beer Company in the UK, uh, played it in their commercial. <laughs> so, uh, but they were inspired by the movie to play it. So. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I mean, he uses his soundtrack so well now. Oh, he's yeah. just like, he has like this amazing, like, you know, selection of like some strange Japanese song like that. I think when the, uh, the 88 are kind of like. Not just the 88. I think Louis C. Liu, uh, 
and leading the pack they're like walking in slow mo- motion and there's like this da 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 oh yes that that song so apparently like that's also like a completely unknown japanese band made that song and like he really liked it and he wow used it so i mean he he picks up like all of these weird weird obscure pieces and then suddenly through his movies it's almost like james gunn no yes like yes gunn exactly kind of exactly samples like james gunn. his yeah. <laughs> his uh, audio cues and like his soundtracks in such a way uh, i remember like when james gunn wrote like guardians of the galaxy like i think he said that literally none of the songs change from the point he wrote them in the script and like what you see in the final movie like literally the same song was there from the beginning to the end it's like such a complete vision that these guys have oh, i feel like he's he's kind of like a spiritual successor to tarantino i feel like but i think so i think so in the way in the way he makes he just loves movies you know he just like yeah. you can tell like james gunn is like a, he loves making that movie and like writing those characters or whatever absolutely and uh, yeah that that's kind of like what what uh tarantino kind of brings to the movie he just like he not only is the movie amazing but like he also has like this amazing soundtrack for you to yeah. enjoy <laughs> yeah and it's an added dimension and like a lot of the story like the songs uh are augmenting the story because like one of the scenes where it was like something about motherly something i can't remember what was going on but the, like in the captioning the music that was playing the name of the song was like motherly love or something like that you know it was like uh, very yeah. you know there's a lot of those like those kind of cues where he's he's picking the song and the music but it's like very seamlessly augmenting the what's going on on the screen just like what james gunn does where mm-hmm. it's not like over the top in your face like uh like the trailer company that remixed uh, suicide squad where they're oh, pick, like the, the cheesiest the cheesiest movies to uh, play you know <laughs> and and tell their story which it didn't work so that that's yeah. an example of how it went bad <laughs> in the first mm-hmm. suicide squad yeah absolutely. i still haven't seen that movie oh uh, yeah don't 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 watch it don't yeah. watch yeah, it yeah it's not worth it no reason to watch it. <laughs> what's the next one yeah what's the next one? next one's gonna be <laughs> next gonna be amazing it's gonna be that's a harley quinn one right no no not that one what is the next one what are you talking oh the suicide squad too so then what is Uh, wait, is that not going to be connected to the Suicide Squad one? Like, isn't it a sequel to that? Uh, so fucking disconnected now. I, I have no idea what Because, connects to what. Yeah, that's the thing. That's so annoying. Dude. Yeah, no, it's not connected. Like, it's not. It and like, Jared Leto isn't going to be in the second one. Like the whole oh, Joker. Oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> no, wait. So the, are they going to change all the characters? Is Will Smith and all not going to be? There? Yeah, Will Smith's not going to be there. But his character is also not going to be there. You know, it's yeah. like. It's other it's like people. A, it's not. It's like a handful people. of characters from the previous. Har- Harley Quinn will be there. Harley yeah. Quinn will be there. Um, okay. But, but she just... also has her own movie coming out. Right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Which has got a crazy name. Uh, it's like the birds yeah, of prey. It's... Birds of prey. But, yes. the full, but the full name is like a some weird name, which is kind of. Cool. Oh, that's not the full name. What the? I, yeah, I saw a trailer the other day of it. Yeah, it just oh, dropped the other day. Yeah. 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 Whatever. Fuck it. But apparently, Ramona is in it. So um, oh, I'm oh. dude, it's a, it's it's another that's another girl power movie, Birds of Prey. Yeah. It's gonna be super, it's good. I think it's gonna be good. I think it's gonna be good. Uh, so I'm quite interested. Uh, but anyway, Nita, you were saying something. Yeah. What were you saying? Okay, I have like a a generic question though about yeah, the movie. Yeah, go for it. Um, yeah. So the scene where, um, right after she kills the 
Vivica A. Fox's character and she goes back to her pussy wagon and she's like looking at the list of names um, and she had already crossed out the O'Ren character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So do you I like while watching the whole like Lucy Lou interlude, I was just wondering like the significance of why they already showed us that Uma Thurman was going to be successful over Lucy Liu's character. Like, I just thought that was so bizarre. And I I don't know. I could be very dense about it, but I just thought that kind of took away from... Like, you knew that, that she was going to kill her at the end, yeah. right? Yeah, but, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's a revenge story. It's an old-fashioned revenge story. She's not ki- been killed because of the great shot in the head. You know, at the end of the day, she's going to win, like, whatever happens. Um, uh-huh. I think it's just like a, like back in the day, like the hero always wins, and that's what this movie is like going off of. So you knew right. she was gonna win. It didn't necessarily take it away from me because you don't know how badly she might get injured or what might happen. Yeah. And okay. um, so and also for... and also while you're watching the fights play out, it's it's something about like the way the fights are done. You mm-hmm. kind of forget everything else that was in the movie, and you're just like, you're like, wow, how is she gonna get out of this? Like, I mean, that fight gonna... scene, that fight scene was very amazing. Like the tranquil, the tranquility of the the garden with the snow and that that that, yeah. that, that, that water that thing. Oh, beautiful. It was, yeah. It was, yeah, it's cinematic. What's a uh, random Easter egg there was that she said that uh, you sure you can even last five minutes and Lucy uh, yes. says that yes <laughs> and literally the fight scene if you time it is four minutes and fifty nine seconds and then she gets oh, really? yeah yes. before yeah. the music starts it's four minutes fifty nine seconds till, till she scalps her exactly That's so she amazing. kills her exactly in the five minute mark <laughs> which is completely intentionally <laughs> cut <laughs> so and so just good. the juxtaposition also like of the red blood and the white snow. And oh, yeah. how, how, like, Lucy Liu's character, like, gently takes off her, like, flip, her giant-ass flip-flops. <laughs> like, she, like, tucks it behind her. She's like, yeah. are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Like, come on, let's go. But see, that's, like, uh, also, that's tri- paying tribute to the to the samurai culture. Like, everything is, like, done mm-hmm. de- very delicate and purposefully and very methodically mm-hmm. and intentionally. So, you know, that's why, I for people who enjoy that, it's uh you know it's a brilliant movie for them you know because he's, he's doing yeah. he's taking care to show it um and, it's, and for other people who don't know about it, it's kind of interesting to see that oh yeah there are these customs that exist where things like this happen yeah. you know so it's kind of cool um yeah i think there's a lot of etiquettes in their fighting in the samurai culture because i think at that one point lucy Liu's character also tells her that you can't fight like a samurai but i'll give you the chance to die like one or something like that. I, I, I thought she meant, she. I think she was referring to seppuku, the killing, like samurais when they are disowned or they're stripped off their ranks, they're, they're allowed to like kill themselves with their katana. So no one else kills them. It's in their culture. It's samurai culture that you kill yourself. I don't know. I don't know why is that honorable, but... She was basically giving her a chance to kill herself. Oh, uh, that's so cool. And then, but, but she then, kills, but she, but, then she apologizes. But she says, yeah, she says that before she's going to kill her, though, right? I think or is, she, is she, the, is she waiting for her to kill herself? No, yeah, she's waiting for Uma Thurman to kill herself. Because she was, oh. she struck her in the back or something, and it was kind of a deep cut, and she's kind of lying on yeah. the ground. I think at yeah, that, that point. That's right. Interesting. And then, but, but there was no way. Back. 
There's no way she, she was going to kill herself. Yeah, because, I mean, Lucy Lou thought that she was done and she was going to kill her anyway. But then she gets back up and she's like, come at me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, uh, and that's when Lucy Lou apologizes because there's still custom and tradition there. <laughs> and respect, yeah. mutual respect. Yes, you know? mm-hmm. yes so, that's true. That's um, true. Which is kind of nice, you know. There's still honor in war, which is that's... kind of interesting. <laughs> you know and i right. i re- i really like like when she finally faces off with like lucy lu for the first time she starts to look slightly almost nervous like mm. she's you know like i've i've seen this like in sport like sometimes like with with opponents that you're completely like you know confident against you don't get nervous. You just like play your own game and you beat them. You just, it's almost like a robotic thing. You move on from opponent to opponent to opponent up until you meet your big rival. And then suddenly something happens. It's like you second guess yourself or like you get really nervous. And like both of you, it's, it's like a weird, like you only see that part of yourself when you're, uh, you know, facing off against someone who can truly beat you and i saw that with like uma thurman in this movie she as soon as she, she's about to face off against lucy Liu, she's like all right this is she looked super nervous <laughs> as she's like stepping yeah. into it which is like oh like, all right this yeah. is real <laughs> and i feel like you can see like the relief in her face like when she's done and when she's dead and when Uma Thurman just sits on that snowy bench and she just she kind of absorbs it all, like, I've killed so many people. And even after that, I like this rival really had me intimidated. So I think that kind of shows how yeah much of a strong opponent Lucy Liu's character yeah, exactly. was. Exactly. Right. Yeah, it's almost like a main boss in like a video game that she was facing. And that was technically the first person on her list that she killed at that point. So I guess. Yeah, she's just kind of like taking all of that in. Right. Yeah, and then that lawyer, or no, I don't know, who's that chick whose hand she cuts out? It's a lawyer, right? She asks her questions. No, she, she says that I'm, I'm sparing you for two reasons. One is for you to give me some of the information, and two is for you to like tell Bill that I know. Well, what is that information that she gets from? About the squad, right? But yeah, whole... I think about where oh, like the, oh, the other characters live, uh-huh. I mm. guess. Yeah. <laughs> it was thro- so interesting, just that line that she said, um, like Uma Thurman standing over the lawyer in the trunk, and she's like, I want you to tell him everything that you told me so that he knows that I know and that, <laughs> that he I knows that I wanted you to know. To do it. Like, <laughs> that like, that's, some, that's some tricky wording you got there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so I think, uh, I mean, any other parting, like, I think we're probably at the point where we can do the parting thoughts. Yeah. What? Uh, so why don't we start it off with uh, Shandy? Oh, I just, towards the end, uh, there was this one scene where she's, kind of having this flashback when she's making her list i think at one point this is there's this black and white scene where she's i think that's when she was getting married because i think she's in her bridal costume but they don't show her entire body it's just her face and i think she says something like oh you came or something i don't remember but then that scene is all black and white except for there's just 
color in her eyes and her earrings. I didn't understand. Was there some? Were they trying to like point at something? Because that was Wait, where, that was. Where, there was color in her eyes. So, I didn't and notice her earrings. That. Yeah, oh, wow. I noticed her earrings for sure. But um, I th- that was a scene from Volume Two. So I, I guess he was just like foreshadowing the second movie. Mm. Yeah, I'm still excited to see what volume two. I haven't finished it. I don't know. So I really don't have any other parting thoughts. But I guess I, I'm, I'm invested in her story. Oh, going back to Neeti's point, but like, Oren Ishii's name was already crossed out, and when before going into or just after she killed the second one, Copperhead. So, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Vernita, Vernita Green is her. Uh, is her yes, uh, Fox's character now? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Right. right. So, I guess I was okay with that fact. Like, I knew going in when she was, was fighting Oren that she's going to come out successful because we'd already seen that strike. So, I get that the suspense is gone. But also, going back to when I said that this is volume one, and that was in the title. So, we know coming in that this is not the entire movie. So, I was okay with how the story was told. Uh, I really like how... It shaped out, even though it's non-linear. I think very few movies can pull off the non-linear, but keeping you out of confusion and doing it really well. I'm excited for the volume two. I guess I, once I have the whole story combined, I would be able to summarize this better. Sure. And uh, Anuj, how about you? Parting thoughts? Sure. Uh, yeah, I think it just like uh, reinstated my respect for Tarantino in a way. I know that's completely fanboyish to say, but I feel like despite like we all feel like we've seen a lot of movies by now. We we know like how movies work and how, like, you know, all the tricks and whatever. But like for a movie to still like work and for it to like completely take you out of your, you know, brain and like let your let you just like absorb it like as it wants it just like plays you basically the you you don't play the movie the movie plays you i feel like it just like did that and i was like like despite watching it on my computer and not in the theater where the movie has even more power over you it still managed to like just grip me right from the beginning to the end and I felt like just the characters were so well, I mean, especially Uma Thurman's character was so well written, so well done, that I found myself completely invested in her. And it just it just worked so well. I feel like a lot of movies, and I'm going to say even, you know, one of my favorite directors, Christopher Nolan, like even his movies don't really grip you. Like they grip you intellectually, they grip you like cerebrally. But the characters don't really grip you like emotionally as much as, you know, I felt myself being completely like com- taken over by, oh shit, how is she going to do this? Is she going to survive? Is she like, what is, what's going to happen to her fate? It worked that way. It was, it was just like magical. And I realized like, this is why all of the critics, everyone in the movie business really treats Tarantino with so much respect. It's because he can do this and he's done this in the past. So it was almost like, you know, yeah, 
his reputation kind of precedes him, but like it, it's there for a reason, and I kind of realized mm-hmm. that while through watching this movie. Nice. So yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. That's good. Good point. Um, uh, Neeti, what about your parting thoughts? Yeah, I completely agree with Anuj in that. Um, I feel like I had heard a lot about Tarantino before I had seen his movie, and I'm so happy that we decided to do this movie this week because it was on my list of things to watch Kill Bill for like a really long time. But I'm glad that this gave me an excuse to just sit down and watch it, and you you really kind of understand why it is like so such a symbol in the time and of Tarantino's movies like and it's so big in pop culture like it's still referenced in things to this day and you know it's kind of um really beautiful to see um how this movie kind of took place I feel like the character really resonated with me um and I really appreciate you know the cinematography the use of music was genius um and I'm really happy with our discussion today. I feel like it really, it helps you see different viewpoints and different perspectives. Um, it was really a movie that was worth discussing, in my opinion. So, um, yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, well said. Um, Sean, what about your thoughts? Oh, well, uh, like you guys said, it's a piece of art. You know, it, there's so much to appreciate about it. Great acting, great dialogues, great stunts. Violence was just fantastic. I absolutely loved it. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed the whole consistency of the movie. And also the fact that they segregated it, making it seem like a lot less lengthy than it is. Overall, just fabulous movie. Yeah, thanks. Um, I'll uh, I'll just wrap up with my box office as I you know I'm obsessed with business of movies. Oh yes. So yes. Um, so this movie when it came out um, it came out alongside a couple of duds. It came out uh, this movie called Good Boy, uh, which had Matthew mm. Broderick. And what's interesting is the compo- the music composer of that movie is the same guy who did the music for Thor Ragnarok, Mark Mothersbaugh. So that's like the only thing going for it. Wow. Uh, and then this other movie called uh, Intol- Intolerable Cruelty with George Clooney and uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones. That was a Coen Brothers movie. Uh, so those are the movies that Kill Bill was competing against. Kill Bill absolutely destroyed the box office. It, it made $22 million in the first weekend. Uh, the closest thing to it was um, School of Rock was $15 million, which was already playing. Hey. It was, it, that was its second movie. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I approve of that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a good movie. And this was uh, Tarantino's biggest hit. So, thirty a budget of thirty million, it uh, ended up netting one eighty worldwide by the end of its run. So wow. he he made yeah six. quite a lot, six times yeah, six yeah. x six yeah. x. It's, and that's that's his production budget. That doesn't include marketing budget, but uh, but mm. you know so but if mm, you yeah. can, if you conservatively double it, it's sixty, uh, including marketing budget. It's still three x. So it's mm-hmm. pretty yeah, pretty that's phenomenal. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. For, especially for this kind of movie where it's like so intensely violent and so intensely uh, not a movie. And it's an R-rated movie. It's, it's not, not a family perfect. movie at all. Yes, exactly. It's not a family movie. So, True. so it's quite they're an not, accomplishment. Yep, they're not getting that money from, you know, mm. little kids who want to see it yeah. over and over again. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, and yeah, so that was the top four. I think the fifth movie was Out of Time with uh, Denzel Washington. That was out that weekend. Those were the top five. So kind of interesting, but... I'm glad that this movie was a hit. With that, we'll bring this episode to a close. Thanks for listening.